about standing in the presence of the Almighty. The Word tells us that He is the Holy of Holies. He is the one and only true God. He tells us that He is the Lord God Almighty, the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And when we stand before Him, Because there are times in our life where we can get used, watch this, to the dirty copy. 
that when we see the real one, we didn't realize the one we were looking at was dirty. Does that make sense to you? Because over a period of time, you make so many copies that you did get. You get used to it. You start wrapping your arms around it. Well, I thought about that this morning as I approach you in the second service. Is it possible in your life that you have gotten so used to a dingy copy that when you see the real one, it's frightening? So all of a sudden, you see something that's clean, you see something that's old, even as you begin to say or sing the, the last song. I can only imagine when I stand against something that's so holy, so pure, so loving, so forgiving, so cleansing, so gracious, it makes me fall on my knees. And it makes me want to worship him. We're in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Verse 15 and 16 tells us about walking in that clean copy. It tells us about a walk that is wise. A walk that is holy. A walk that is insightful. A walk that causes you to look way into things that you cannot see because it's the things that you cannot see that affects the things that you see. And so when we read Ephesians 5, I'm challenging you this morning. Do you deep down in your heart want to walk the walk of the wise? Do you want to do that? God says if you do, I'll give it to you. To walk the walk of the wise. Not the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom that comes from above. Let's read Ephesians 5. And let's look at verse 15 and verse 16. Here's what it says in Ephesians 5. It says, look, therefore, it says, be careful how you walk. Now, this word walk, we're going to come back to it because it talks about conduct. It talks about behavior. And then it says, not as unwise men, meaning species, human race. He says, but as wise, those who have an insight that goes way beyond the things that you can see. And then he says, making the most of your time. <laughs> because time is something that is precious. It's a commodity that we have, and we need to use it well. Making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. The days are evil. Now, I always like to set this up before we bring it home to you today. Because in this fifth chapter, he starts out in those first 14 verses, making a statement in the first two verses to say, be imitators of me. Imitate Jesus Christ in all that you do. Be a reflection, because he is in you, therefore he's motivating you, and therefore when people see you, they should see him. Imitate that. And then from verse 3 all the way down to verse 14, there's about five or six things that you will see that says, don't be, be careful, watch out, do not 
do not, do not. Because he's talking about a bride. He's talking about this beautiful specimen of a woman coming down the aisle. All that she is is glowing and reflecting. And in her reflection, there is a prohibition. Because I don't want you to do anything that would harm that reflection. I don't want you to do anything that will dull that glow. So don't, don't, don't. Be wise, be careful, be careful, don't. So we reflect him in all that we do. We're created in his image. And just like that dirty copy gets to the point where the dinginess is maybe 1%. And then it moves to 5%. And then it moves to 50%. And next thing you know, it's 80%. And you can't even tell the difference because you get so used to it. And God says, wait a minute. I sent a, somebody in between that. And his name is Jesus. So don't, 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 don't be careful. And he's talking about the bride. Now, when you begin to hear the rest of the uh, chapter as we move forward in the next several weeks, it'll start talking about household ethics. It'll start talking about husbands. It'll start talking about wives. It'll start talking about children. It'll talk about the epitome of submission, the epitome of love, and the epitome of obedience. It'll tell you how a household should be working. Before it gets there, it tells you just remember that you're a bride. And so when I speak, I always like to give you the whole picture. Because when you look at chapter 1, the church, this beautiful bride, is first of all called out. He's calling you out from the world. He says, don't be like her. Because she's passing away. No, do not be like the world. I've called you out. You've been called by the Father. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit promise. I call you out. you got to be different. Not better, different. And then in that verse, in that chapter 2, he begins to tell us something about being a family. I have removed this enmity between the Jews and the Gentiles, and I made them one people. And you're one people in Christ. And then he gets to chapter 3, and he tells us about this beautiful mystery that we are. Now, that mystery is this, is that through the church... Through the people of God, those who are walking with Jesus Christ, those who are walking in such a way that you want to glorify God, knowing that you need the help of the Holy Spirit, he says, I will show through the, to the world the manifold wisdom of God through my body, through the church. The church will be reflected in these days and time. She will be his woman in these days and time. She will be exactly what God asked her to be. And I'm going to show to all the principalities and the rulers the mystery of who she is. She'll rise up. She'll come out of her slumber. And then in the fourth chapter, you see this team. You see something being given to the church for her health, for her beauty. And she becomes this team. Now when we get to the fifth chapter, she is displayed as a beautiful bride. Hold it there for just a moment. Because in chapter 6, she's an army. She's an army. So in those first three chapters, it says because you're seated at the right hand of God, you're seated before him. But in those last three, he says, here are how you are. 
Here's how we ought to behave. Here's how you need to display yourself to the world. Here's how I want you to be saved. I'll give you the power to do that. Church, I can do this morning, if I just want to pause make sure you get it. Okay. Everybody okay? Just turn to each other and say, I'm okay. Just say, just, I'm okay. Just, just, just look at the person next to you and say, I'm okay. Go ahead, bro. I'm okay. All right. I just want to make sure, okay? Right, that was a long introduction. I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> okay. So, so, so what we see now is that we're going to take this word, therefore. We're going to take this word, careful. We're going to take this word, walk. We're going to take this word, unwise. We're going to take the word, wise. And we're going to take the word, most of the time, we're going to take this word evil. We're going to break down for you so you can understand what the Holy Spirit said to you today about imitating Jesus. We're going to break that down. So the first thing we do, look at the word therefore. That word therefore has a lot of meaning to it. It basically just means that he's saying so that to that end and he uses the word therefore three times. He uses it in verse 1. He uses it in verse 7. But he comes back in verse six, uh, 15. And he says it in such a way because I got two thoughts. But he says, I want you to know something. I want you to, first of all, be careful. And I, I know that every time I left home as a young man and my mom would look to me and say, son, be careful. And one of the reasons why she said be careful because... There are things out there you'll face and mom and dad won't be around. But he said, she was saying also, be careful because you represent me out there. Be, be careful because you represent the square family out there. Be careful. And the word careful means a tentative concern. Be concerned attentively. Be careful. And I want you to be careful for a certain ways. Because when the word how comes in, it talks about the way something is done. See, 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 Otis, they call me Otis uh, when I was in Houston. If I, if I flew to Houston today, they would not call me Johnny. They would call me Otis. And my parents would say, Otis, now look, the reason why we want you to be careful is because we know that you've been trained how to do something. You've been trained how to be disciplined. You've been trained how to say yes and no. You've been trained how to avoid things that come to you that are not good. So here's what I want to say to you. This word is saying, not only be careful, be careful how you what? Walk. The word walk here means behavior. It means what you think. It means what you see. It means what you say. Be careful you don't just flip something out there sarcastically. Be careful that what you say you represent me, you represent all of us. Be careful of what you do because people are watching you. So he said, therefore, be attentive, be and take heed to the fact that your walk is going to show people what you believe. Your walk is going to show people what you trust in. Your walk is going to show people what you think. Are you with me, church, at all? I just want to make sure you hear me. Because it's going to show. It's important. He says, I want you to understand that there's a way to walk, son. Now, that walking, that behavior, God says, I want to show you what should motivate you. So we're going to turn, if you have your Bible, but we're going to flip on the screen. We're going to stay in that same book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at chapter 4. I want you to watch how it tells us 
as believers who love him and in his image to betray him is what is sent. Therefore, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, entreat, employ, encourage you, watch this, to walk, to behave in a manner worthy. Now that manner worthy means you need to reflect the one who sent you. So when I would walk out the door, my mother would say to me, remember, you reflect the square family. And you need to what behave in a manner worthy of what that is. We got a name in this city. We've been building that name for years. Don't go mess it up. So he's saying, walk in a manner worthy of a calling, which when you have what? Paul. So when God called me, he called me not only by name, but he called me to be just like him. So I've got to reflect that by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he says this here, with all what? Humility. Let me say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. Humility does not mean weakness. Humility means meekness. It's the discipline of strength. Humility means being put in such a way where God can use you. So he's not asking you to be a second-class citizen. He says, with all humility and what? All gentleness. Don't be too abrasive. Son, don't be too hard. And he says, with patience. Sometimes it takes time. There's a difference between a microwave and a crock pot. It takes time. I want you to be a crock pot today, son, not a microwave. And he says, show tolerance. Now, all of me to tolerate something, I have to be against it. But I want you to be tolerant. And I want you to be tolerant to one another. Just to the other person that's created in the image of God. Just like me. And he says this. Be diligent to work hard at something. You know, I've been married to this beautiful father of mine for 40-some years. And one of the things we have to work hard at is unity. I don't wake up in the morning being unified with my wife, and I want y'all to know that. I got things on my mind. Oh, yeah, somebody right there next to me, I got to deal with, deal with that today. Well, she's got to deal with me. She doesn't deal with me because she doesn't even wake up. But it says unify what? In the spirit. Because it takes the spirit to unify. So when I'm walking, look, look, look at what's happening when I'm walking. I'm walking to unify this in the spirit. Watch this. In the bond of peace. So Vicky and I have to work hard at not being divided. Because see, a household divided against itself. Church, oh, you with me at all this morning? I'm just kind of laying the ground a little for you here. But there's several more things you got to talk about. So as I walk, bond of peace, unity of the spirit, tolerance, patience, humility, jealous. Why? Because they're the one body. That's one spirit. Call into one hope. Watch this. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Triad. One God, one Father. All for all. <coughs> and through all. So when you go back to Ephesians 5, 15, check it out. When you go back to it. Now, when he says, therefore, be careful. Be careful that you do those nine things by the Spirit that I just showed you. That when you walk out of this house, when you go into the world, if people see Jesus because they see him, be careful. Walk like that. 
bishop is saying, not as unwise. Now, if you do some study in the Greek and the Hebrew, the Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament, that word unwise, you know what that word means? Stupid. It really does. It says, one who walks, who lacks spiritual sense. Now, I'm going to show you some scripture here. Because I don't think anybody in this room thinks that they're stupid. The word stupid in the Bible means foolish. It means lacking spiritual guidance. Because what you're being guided on is your own experience. You're being guided on your age. You're being guided on the world's thinking. You're being guided on what man wants to do and what man believes. Now, I'm going to show you something now. We're going to go over to James 3, 13 through 18. Now, I want you to listen to this because this is critical, all right? Because if you don't get this part, you miss the whole verse. I want you to stay with me on this one. If you don't get this part, you miss the whole thing on what he's trying to say. So in James 3, starting with verse 13 through 18, I want you to listen up closely. Because James says this, who among you is wise? He says, check yourself out. And understanding, check yourself out. He says, let him show by his what? Good behavior. So what you say, if it don't match up with what you do, there's something missing. There's a disconnection here. He says behavior in his deeds, watch this, in the gentleness of wisdom. Now, he's getting ready to explain two different kinds of wisdom. And then he says this, but, that's a big one. He says, if you have bitter jealousy. Now, what is jealousy? Jealousy means I'm coming against anything that's my rival. And I'm, I'm bitter towards it because something happened. And then he moves on and he says selfish ambition. What does he mean by selfish ambition? Because you want to take care of yourself. You want to think about yourself. And then he moves on and he says, in your heart, because if these things reside in your heart, they will make you arrogant. He says, I don't want you to be arrogant. I don't want you to be prideful. He says, because what will happen is you will wind up lying against the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times where I do that. My own pride and my own arrogance and my own protecting the little boy inside because of my hurt and because of my pain makes me just a little bit selfish. And he said, I want you to be careful. And then he moves on. And he says, this wisdom is not that which comes from above. Okay? Now watch this. It don't come from above, but it is earthly, it is natural, and it is demonic. Now you stay with me on this one. I want you to hear this real close. God is not saying that you don't have earthly wisdom. He's not telling you that earthly wisdom is not something that you shouldn't pursue. You should go to school. You should get your degrees. And if you're living as long as some of us have lived, that's great. I've got a 90-year-old man who was in the first service here that I talk to once every two, three months. This guy has forgotten most of the stuff I'm trying to do. And because he's been around for 90-something years, I think he's got a bit of wisdom. I, I, I think I could ask him things and he got the answer way before it even come out of my mouth. God is also saying, go to school, get a degree. He's also saying that the wisdom here on this earth 
is something that you need to pursue. But he's saying, be careful. Do not make that wisdom a God. Don't do that. Because it's earthly. And it doesn't have the ability to deal with the unseen. It doesn't. And it is natural. It can only get by as high as the ceiling. And then here's what he's saying. Be careful. Because the enemy, the Antichrist, that which is against God, that is subject to influence that. earthly natural demonic, for what jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is dishonor in every evil thing. Be careful! Be careful that you don't put a shrine to your earthly wisdom. Be careful that you don't worship what you know. Because there are things in the unseen that makes the seen what it is. That there are things in the outer world that you cannot see. And the book of Hebrew will tell you that the people who walk with God know that this world is controlled by things that you cannot see. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. There is a chasm between us and the unseen world. I remember being on CSU's campus one day, and there were some people up there that were doing mine. They had on the faces and all that. And at the end of this particular mine, because there was an invitation for the kids on the campus to come to Christ, this guy did something that was amazing in his gesture. You know what he did? He was so skilled in how he was moving, he unzipped this maze, pulled it aside, stepped through it, and said, come. Caught my attention as a student. Vivid. Because it was as if he was on the other side of a veil. Now, why is that so important? You'd have to go back to the Old Testament to see a guy by the name of Solomon, who was David's son. And God gave him wisdom that was not of this world. And there was two women who came to him that day as people stood before him. And in the night, both of these women had children. And they were sleeping in a tent. And what happened, one of the women accidentally rolled over and smothered their child. And the child died. And while the other woman was sleeping, this woman took her child and put it next to her. And they both that day went to Solomon. Solomon didn't know them. He didn't even know about them. But God had given them this wisdom that was way beyond the world. And they both stood before him and argued their case that this is my child. The other woman said, no, this is my child. Solomon didn't know these ladies. He didn't. So he said this. He said, bring me a sword. And they did. He said, bring me the child. They brought the child to him. He said, cut the child in half, give her one half, and give her the other half. And the mom of the child said, wait a minute. Don't kill my baby. Give the child to this woman. Solomon said, this something in the unseen to bring to the seen. 
And so, when Ephesians 5, 6, be careful. Don't walk as unwise. Don't allow your selfish ambition. Don't allow your natural thinking to get in the way of something that is supernatural. Watch this. In verse 17 and 18, watch what it says. But the wisdom that is from above, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to school, which you should, and get 10,000 degrees, which you need. But that wisdom is not wisdom that comes from above. You can live to be 109,000 years old, but you can't get this wisdom by how long you've been on earth. This wisdom comes from above. And only God can give it. It says, here's why. Because when it comes, the first thing it's going to do is take off. You know what purity means? It means uninterrupted. If you have a crystal, it's crystal clear. If you have a diamond, it's pure diamond. There's no sand in it. It's pure. Second of all, he says, it's going to be peaceful. Have you ever asked a question before you made a decision? Does this bring peace to my soul? And then he says this, it's gentle. Is it, is, it, is it gentle in the sense of the atmosphere that it brings? The thing he said, is it reasonable? Does it make sense for everybody involved? Because when Solomon made that decision, it didn't only make sense to him, it didn't only make sense to the women, but it made sense to everybody who was in the room who heard it. But then it also said, it's for mercy. Because a lot of times we make decisions because we want revenge. We want a reckoning. God says, hold on. My wisdom is full of mercy. It's full of grace. Did you get grace in that decision? Then he says, look, man, it's full of good fruit. That means some good stuff is going to come out of it. It is unwavering. It's not wishy-washy. And it's without hypocrisy. God is not two-faced. God would not tell you something different than he tells somebody else dealing with the same issue. He's got one thing to say. And then he says, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace to those who make peace. Church, are you okay? I want you to understand this wisdom. We need it. Because of the stuff that's going on around us every single day. The court system has to make decisions every single day. Are we dealing with righteous joy? Parents have to make decisions every day. Are we dealing with righteous parents? Kids have to make decisions every day. Are we dealing with righteousness in our kids? We've got a society that tells us a lie is a truth and a truth is a lie. Oh, we need wisdom. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me at all? Then when you go back to Ephesians 5, take a look at it. It not only says, okay, Ephesians 5, we're going to come back up here in just a second. It says, first of all, you must be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now here's the key. Here's the second thing. It says, because you need to make the most of your time. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can just turn to it and look at it. Matthew 16. 1 through 6 tells us about Jesus having a conversation with Pharisees. These are guys who had their seminary degree. These were guys that have been around a while. They knew the Old Testament law. 
and all that. Now watch this conversation because we're going to get ready to land this ship here in just a moment. But I want you to understand the beauty of Ephesians 5, 15, 16. So I got to take you some cross-reference. She says, these, these Pharisees and Sadducees came up testing Jesus. The world tested Christ. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Now you need to understand that's not an inappropriate question. And then he says, but he replied to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky? Now watch this. But cannot even discern the signs of the time. Let me tell you something, man. And ladies, you can put me in a dungeon and give me a Bible. And I can tell you what the world's doing. All you got to do is take this Bible, this roadmap, and do two things. Stay in it. It's the playbook of life. If life is a test, that basically means the answers are open book. All you have to do is read it. It'll tell you what's going on. And he said, Even an adulterous generation. You know what he means by that? A generation that's given itself over to the world. A generation that does not love God and desire him. He's saying, you seek a sign, and the sign will not be given to you except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. Now I'm telling you something. Jesus is not saying the signs or bad. Now, I told the first service this. I was in Denver last night seeing a pastor and getting ready for the Colorado Springs pastor of church and all that, talking to this guy. And man, I was going back and forth Saturday. And I was reading the sign. The sign told me I was 42 miles from Denver. Now, let me tell you something about the sign. See, Jesus is saying signs are good if they point towards something. Basically, if they point towards me. But people want signs just for the sake of a sign. And Jesus says, if you want a sign, I'll give you a sign. And that sign will point towards me. Because it didn't tell me where I was going. It didn't tell me I was going to Denver. It just told me I was 42 miles from Denver. There's a difference. Because I could have turned left and went to uh, Johnstown. Okay? But it told me right there where I was. And so it's important that you understand something. I ask for signs. I hope you ask for them. But the sign I want is a sign that's going to point me to Christ. Church, did you hear me at all? That's really important. Because he's saying this. Watch this. And the disciples came together, came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of leaven, leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know what he's saying? Watch out, because there are things that if you're not careful, it will make a dirty copy. And it will touch everything around. Be careful. Come on, church. Be wise. Stay in your Bible. Stay on your knees. And I will grant you evidence. Let's go back to Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Church, are you with me this morning at all? 
Okay, you guys fall asleep on me? Come on, talk to me. Because, see, I grew up in a place where people say hallelujah, and they said okay, all right? Okay, you can also say bad pastor, I don't understand. I don't have that kind of complex. You say that, okay? But you need to let me know that you're hearing this, because in these days and times, with the things that are calling us to the side, the things that have been thrown in our face, a society that's calling a lie good and a, 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 a truth a lie, you got that in front of you, I got that in front of me. And God is saying, be wise that you don't be seduced into that. Now watch this last part. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Now we're going to jump over real quick to Acts 1-7. Why is that important? Because they are asking Jesus a question. He is just risen from the dead. He's getting ready to go back to his father. And they say, Jesus, is this the time that you're going to restore Israel? Is this the time you're going to go upside Rome's head for doing what he's done to us? Is this the time you're going to deal with all of our enemies? Okay. And Jesus says this. It is not for you to know times or epics. Now, what he's saying is these times are measured by weeks. These times are measured by years. These times are measured by seasons. And God is the one that's in control. Now, let me say this to you. Not a single person in here is guaranteed to live the rest of the day. Not a single one. Nobody's promised tomorrow. Not a single soul. God did not want man to figure out what his time was. God just wanted man to do a good job of time management. He said, my father is in control. Here's the key. If you got called home today, would you be ready to meet him? Would you be ready to meet Christ? Would you be ready to face it? Because there's some things on earth today you can do. And I give you an opportunity to do that. Because we must be good managers of our time. And let me say this to you. You are a good manager of your time. You know why? Because you're church today. <laughs> yeah, you're church today. You're using your time well. You came this morning to hear a revelation from God. That's good time management. But also, you know what else is good time management? When you're not here and you get up early in the morning or late at night and you get on your knees and you talk to them, that's good time management. It's good time management when you stick your head in that Bible and you begin to see that God is telling you what's going on right now. That's good time management. And I will say this to you. Five minutes with the Lord is worth 23 hours in a day. Father's in control of that. Let him deal with your outcome. Okay. Now watch this. We're going back to Ephesians 5. Get ready to put the last point together. Are we okay, church? We're all right? Everybody's all right? Because we won't land this ship here in just a minute. It says, now, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now see, here is something that I think, as we close, that you need to be aware of. 
Everybody is talking about stuff, but why are we talking about the one who causes all this bad stuff to happen? See, the devil is real. He is an angel that was kicked out of heaven. His name was Lucifer. You know what his job is? To revolt against God, to put himself above God, all right, and to take as many with him as he can. He's real. He's not walking around with bangs, tail, pitchfork. That ain't what he looks like. He's a very sophisticated angel, very slick. And it says he now has influenced this world. Now I want to show you something in 2 Timothy. I want you to look at it very closely and see if this identifies with this world, the world's thinking. Without self-control, getting carried away. Now, I, I, I know sometimes this will dull you, but you got to understand what you're in. It, it says, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And he says, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied his power. Now, I like this next word. Christians, avoid that. Stay away from 
Be wise towards that. Don't get seduced into the dirty copy. Look for the clean one. Stay away from this stuff. And such men as these, for among them there are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sin, led by various impulses. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. So then what is the message for you today? Because we're in the 15th and 16th verse. Here's what God is saying. Where is your wisdom coming from? That's the question. Where do you, where do you put your hope in? That's the question. Do you put it in your experience? Do you, do you put it in how old you are? Do you, do, do you get this information off the internet? Do you, do you listen to your friends? Where does it come from? What he's saying is this. He's saying there's a wisdom above mankind that we as believers must seek 24 7. That wisdom comes from above. And he's saying these two things. I just want to read it to you. What I wrote for you today as you come to church this morning. All right, there it is. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know my glasses were here. I had to confess something this morning. I went looking for my watch this morning. I couldn't find it. You know where it was? It was on my wrist. It was on my wrist. <laughs> brother, 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 brother slipping a little bit, okay? So I'm not getting ready to read this. Here's what he's saying. Here's, here's what you need to be encouraged by today. He said, look here. Conduct yourself as one who can apply, watch this, spiritual truth in your everyday life. Conduct yourself as one who can apply spiritual truth in everyday life. Secondly, we do need time. We can make the most of it. And then thirdly, this is this. Use your time well and wise so that you won't be caught up in spiritual depravity. Spiritual depravity. I read a saying in a book this morning before I left. It says, wise men still secret. Yeah, let's keep doing that. Man, it's so good to have you here this morning. It really is. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us. I hope the message has been encouraging because I'm going to pray something over you before we leave here today. Not necessarily to give you a picture of the world that's so bad, but give you a picture You may have a loved one in your family or somebody that you work next to or 
somebody that you would like to pray for today to say, God, can you give her or can you give him your wisdom? Or maybe you have an old person that you're praying for and say, God, can you download in him the wisdom that comes from afar so that these decisions that we're about to make as people, as individuals, as married couples or singles, will not be somehow, uh, how do you say, infiltrating of the world and try to come and rob those decisions. So I'm praying for you. But let's do this first. Let's do this first. Father, we want to thank you so much for this morning. We want to ask that you give us an opportunity to give back to you that which you have put in us. Because see, Father, we love you. And you tell us to tithe because in tithing, there is a promise of provision and protection. A promise that I will multiply. A provision that I will take the devourer away from you. And Father, you said you'll continue to do this as we release. And you also ask for arms and offerings. But you say given and be given unto you. Press down, shake off. Flow into your bosom more than you have. So you bless this offering in Jesus' name. Maybe there's somebody here. I need to ask this question. 
who, 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 who is on a spiritual journey. And, and, and it may be asking the question that you don't know for sure whether or not you're going to have it. Maybe that's something you're still working on. And God wants to give you wisdom on that. And, 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 and he's saying, if, you, if you're still working on that and you're not sure, there, 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 there's a statement that he likes to make to you. And that, and that first statement is this, that heaven is a gift. You can't earn it, and you don't deserve it, because it's been by grace that we've been saved, not by works, so that no man might boast. And we as people are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. And that means we're separated from God. God said this, I sent my son Jesus to hang on the cross and die for you. And when he did that, he took a payment that you could not pay. And what he did is he took your unrighteousness and mine and he pulled out his pen which had his blood on it and he wrote Painful. He took your record book of sin and mine, wrote it, painful. And then he died. And he rose from the dead. And he said, The reason why I did this is because I want you to be wild. In my father's house, there's many mansions. If I would not, if it was not so, I would not have told you. So I want you to be what I am. So I'm getting ready to make it possible for you to do that. And all he's saying is this. That if you have faith to believe that Jesus did it all, faith to take care of, then you got the key to unlock heaven. And all you have to do is say, Yes, Lord, I receive this sacrifice. I accept the penalty you paid for me on the cross. And at that moment, your name is written.
sermon today. Father, that as you download your Holy Spirit in each and every one of us today, Father, we pray that our spirit will be quickened today. And that from this day forward, no matter what happens, if things come against us that are not of you, Father, we will be ready. We'll be able to review it and say no to it. And God, these things that are of you will be attracted to it because our spirit will say it. Because our spirit connects with your spirit. And said, we don't have the spirit that is of the world. We have the spirit that is from God so that we know things that are freely given to us by God. Father, I ask that you quicken that today. And that we be sensitive. And that we will not be seduced by the world.